and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl. And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. Rick just had an interaction with the president on the South Lawn, ran over here to be with you on Powerhouse Politics. Uh, he was taken off for a trip to Texas and uh, asked about there's so much uh, that, that we want to cover. And by the way, uh, we are going to be talking to the member of Congress who has the longest stretch of border with Mexico of any congressional district. Uh, a very interesting character, a Republican who does not uh, appear to be a big wall, a big fan of the wall. Uh, but but the president um, was asked about this, this all this reporting of Stephen Miller now taking over, um, uh, you know, basically all of immigration policy, maybe all of the Department of Homeland Security. There was a a quote. Uh, some the Wall Street Journal quoted the president from according to a source saying. Uh, to Stephen Miller, you're in charge now, Stephen Miller. So uh, there was an interesting question. I didn't ask it. Somebody else out of the South Lawn said, hey, if Stephen Miller is really kind of in charge of everything, why don't you just make him the, the, uh, the, the Secretary of Homeland Security? Listen to the answer. Now, Stephen is an excellent guy. He's a wonderful person. People don't know him. He's a wonderful, been with me from the beginning. He's a, a brilliant man. And frankly, uh, there's only one person that's running it. You know who that is? It's me. Okay, so the president's in charge, Rick. Yeah, no, truer words have not been spoken. Uh, he, so, John, walk us through what it's been like these last couple of days, because he has been on a bit of a firing spree. Um, there's been um, him musing about uh, some policy changes. Uh, and just in the last few weeks, he threatened to shut down the border and then backtracked on that. We've got the national emergency in place. He has put his focus squarely on immigration and seems to be headed in a lot of different directions. Oh, it's all over the place. Uh, the, the border shutdown threat, which was going to come, you know, last uh, week. Yeah, exactly. Uh, did not come. He backed off that, changed it to a threat of tariffs. It'll come next year. But uh, you also had he, he had his choice that had been moving through uh, to, to head the Ted ICE uh, Immigrations and Customs uh, Enforcement. Uh, he pulled that nominee back. He fired Kirsten Nielsen. He fired the director of Homeland Security. I mean, the director of the uh, Secret Service. And now uh, we, we've learned that the acting deputy uh, to, to, to Nielsen uh, has also uh, been removed. Uh, and, and we're told there are more changes to come. It, it, it's been. It's been a chaotic time. Uh, the president is is angry about what's happened at the border, which is a massive influx in the flow of of people crossing illegally, mostly family units, um, asylum the, seekers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the 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 border patrol uh, overwhelmed. The system overwhelmed. And then, Rick, we saw reports, multiple reports, uh, that the president was thinking about bringing back his zero-tolerance policy, uh, which led to the family separations at the border. And many news organizations reported this. You saw it. We talked about it, the uh, the variations of the story of this being under consideration uh, were, were reported by CNN, by, um, by the New York Times, by the Wall Street Journal, by the Washington Post. We did not report that because I had been led to believe uh, by uh, – senior advisors to the president, that there was basically no way that that policy was going to come back. Um, I was reminded that uh, two of the people within the White House who uh, ended, uh, you know, who pushed away from that policy and and steered the president towards or urged the president uh, to abandon it when he did were Melania uh, Trump, who happens to be the first lady, and Ivanka Trump, uh, who is both a policy advisor and uh, the first daughter. So, um, 
you know, the idea that but, – but anyway, I, I found myself in the Oval Office yesterday um, and, you know, the president was meeting with the, with the president of Egypt. As that photo op ended, I wanted to just get him on the record. You know, are – you know, can you clear this up? Are you considering um, abandoning this uh, – you know, co- going back to this policy of uh, family separation? And let me tell you, I'm going to play a little bit of it here in just a minute. But, but I just want to give you the context because I was only a few feet from the president <laughs> and he ignored my question. I asked it again. He ignored my, my, my follow-up. I asked it again. He ignored it, and you've seen me in there. I, you know, I, I, I can be kind of persistent. Um, you annoy you know, people. I, yeah, I get no, it. No, respectful yeah, but should... persistent is 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 the goal here. And I actually started to turn to walk away because we were being ushered out, and I had asked my question. He didn't answer it. That's fine. He's the president of the United States. He can answer whatever he wants. And he started answering. So I came back. Anyway, I want to play it. You wouldn't start separating the children again, would you, Mr. President? Obama separated the children, by the way. Would you consider doing it again? Just so you understand, I'm the one that stopped it. President Obama had child separation. Now, I'll tell you something. Once you don't have it, that's why you see many more people coming. They're coming like it's a picnic because let's go to Disneyland. Okay, so, you know, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a clip of it. I'm going to play another clip in a, in, in a moment because uh, this went on. But remember... I had asked the question, I believe it was four times, before he started to answer it. So you just heard the final question and then him answering as, as I was walking away. Now, first, let's do a little fact check. Um, he said Obama had child separation. Not now, true. No, well, not, not in the sense, not in the sense that, that the Trump administration did, it, right, John? Let's be careful here because th- th- there's been a lot that's been inaccurate frankly, both from the president and from the White House and also from those that have fact-checked the president. Obama did – yeah, there was separation. There was separation of, of – of, of, there was some family separation before Trump came to power. It happened during the presidencies of, of George Bush. It happened during the presidency of, um, of uh, Barack Obama. But it was not, emphatically not, the policy that we saw under Donald Trump. What you saw under the previous presidents was uh, in situations where uh, the adult was tied to a serious crime, whether it be human trafficking, drug trafficking, or record of a previous deportation and then coming over again. In those cases, the adult was detained, and because of the Flores decision that we now know so much about, uh, the, uh, the, the children were separated. So there was separation. It was in specific cases involving serious crimes by the adults. Uh, It was not a blanket policy like we saw under Trump with the zero tolerance where anybody who crossed illegally, that qualified as the serious crime, and the children were separated. It was not like that. It was entirely different. But there were, he is right to say there were separations under Obama. It's just not, you know, uh, uh, the the same as what we saw here. Anyway, I, he's, as you noticed, he didn't answer my question. He talked about how it was Obama who had a policy like that. Um, he said that he stopped it. He didn't mention that he actually started it. Um, but um, he, he, he also seems to be saying 
that stopping it has had a negative impact. You know, that now it's that this trip across the border has somehow become like a visit to Disneyland. So the question still remained. And a couple other reporters started jumping in, trying to get an answer as well. Finally, the president answered. Take a listen. We're not looking to do that. Though. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're not looking to bring but it back? It, does so make, it brings a lot more people to the border. When you don't do it, it brings a lot more people to the border. So, so there you have. He says we're not looking to do, to, to do that, meaning he's not looking to bring back the policy of zero tolerance and child separation. But you can tell he's debating himself on this. He's not happy about yeah. it. Yeah, and, and he, he's, he is looking for a fall guy in this. And I think that's why you've seen people ousted from their jobs. Um, all reporting about the president even ordering the border closed a couple of weeks ago, having to be walked back when he was told about the terrible economic consequences, the, the impracticalities of that situation. And now when he has people around him, um, maybe including Stephen Miller, who are saying uh, that, that you, need to, you need to get tougher on these things and, and bring policies in that, that, that communicate that, he is himself split on this because he's boxed in a little bit by his own decision, a little bit by some of the some of the family members around him who thought this was a horrible moment in the Trump presidency to see the images of those family separations. And yet he thinks the policy kind of sort of worked. And this is the guy, as he as he told you, John, who's in charge. And Rick, we also um, yesterday at the White House, a, a, gr- a select group of reporters, about a, about a dozen reporters were invited into one of the president's senior advisors' office to get a briefing. Somebody who's directly involved in all this, uh, you know, the policy on, on on the border, to help us understand what was behind the president's moves. And it was an interesting briefing. It was got a little wonky at times, but the the bottom line is, if there were any doubt, and there shouldn't have been any doubt, but but erase that doubt. The reason behind the departure of Nielsen, uh, the departure of her deputy, the departure, the, the, the withdrawing of the ICE nominee, and the departures that we will probably see further in the coming days are because the White House believes that the leadership at the Department of Homeland Security, beginning with John Kelly way back when, um, has not been aggressive enough in implementing what the president wants done at the border. Now, this is interesting because, you know, the, the what, what, what Nielsen has said, and you know, Nielsen's come under a lot of criticism from from you know from, from those who think that she, that she was cruel and heartless and everything else. But Nielsen has time and time again uh, told the president that things that he wanted to do uh, that there, were, there were limitations because of the law. Right. <laughs> um, she can't simply tell somebody who crosses crosses and seeks asylum go back. We're not you know we're, we're full. That 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 is there is international law. There is U.S. law. Where that cannot happen, so you know. But 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 the White House believes uh, that there are things that can be done to, um, to 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 make it harder to declare asylum, uh, to to take steps to stop the flow at the border uh, that are within U.S. law. Now it'll be an interesting test with the new leadership coming in because whatever they do. It's going to be challenged in court. And with the president debating himself, it will be an open question what policy he's even directing anyone to have without a permanent secretary yet at the Department of Homeland Security, without key officials at, at ICE, and with a, as you mentioned, an actual crisis of, uh, of numbers, a, a mathematical crisis, a logistical crisis going on right now that, by the way, has very little to do with the plans for the border wall that the president likes to talk about. Yeah. Now, um, we do have our guest uh, uh, standing by, but I, the other major uh, – there are many stories here, but the other one I want us to get to, Rick, um, 
uh, before we get to our guest is we had the Attorney General uh, 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 Bill Barr testifying before the House Appropriations Committee. So this was not exactly a hearing on 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 the Mueller report or a hearing on uh, their their plans regarding uh, the the Obamacare lawsuit or, or any of these other issues or the border or any. But it was an it was an appropriations. But still, there were a couple of notable notable moments in this in this Barr testimony, and I wanted to first uh, play this. This moment in the hearing when he is confronted on the lawsuit that the administration is supporting to completely terminate Obamacare. Do you think it's likely we are going to prevail? If you prevail, well, you're devoting scarce resources of your department toward that effort. Are you not, Attorney General? We're in litigation. We have to take a position. The answer is we, yes. We so take position in litigation. And if you succeed, that many people will lose their coverage nationally from Medicaid and 750000 from Pennsylvania alone, right? I'm just saying that if you think it's such an outrageous position, you have nothing to worry about. Let the courts do their job. So, so that was interesting, Rick, because the very first voice you heard, obviously, was Barr. And he is asking... Uh, Congressman Cartwright, who is, uh, you know, aggressively demanding to know why the administration is is, is joining this lawsuit. Um, Barr is saying, do you think it's likely to prevail? And I, I wish he had said, do you? Do you? Yeah, that's uh, the attorney general. <laughs> You're the attorney general of the United States. You're on this lawsuit. Do you? But, but he seems to be saying that he doesn't think it will be prepared, uh, that it will prevail. I'll he tell you. Think that the court's going to leave Obamacare the way it is. I, I am, I'm fascinated by Bill Barr and that performance. This was the performance of a man who has been there and done that and knows how to call Congress out at times and you know let them have their say, let them take their shots. He was unperturbed by this. And it suggests to me that, yeah, this administration has no expectation that that health care law is going to be thrown out, uh, which might in part explain why they don't have a plan to do anything about it, that this is a political decision, not a not a legal position, especially when the attorney general is asking hypotheticals like that. And then, of course, the issue of the Mueller report. And we got a little bit of news that, first of all, he said it uh, the redacted version of the Mueller report. And he said he's working with Mueller himself on the redactions will be out within the week. Kind of nice. I I. I I predict that it might be might not be a Friday. Can you imagine if we had a major <laughs> news event that it was not a Friday? I mean, maybe it could be a Monday or a Tuesday. Um, but but we'll see. I mean, uh, we'll see when it is. He said that we will know there'll be color coded redactions, which will be kind of interesting. We'll know why it was redacted. You know, Barr's given various reasons for for redactions. So now we're going to know what the reason was for each redaction. Um, so he was he was sort of forthcoming a little bit on, on some of that. But then Nita Lowy of New York asked this question. Did the White House see the report before you released your summarizing letter? Has the White House seen it since then? Have they been briefed on the contents beyond what was in your summarizing letter to the Judiciary Committee? Um, I've said what I'm going to say about the report today. Oh, in other words, he's not going to say anymore. But but I think we know because he said at the time in the letter that the White House hadn't seen it, right, Rick? That's he did say yes. that then. But the but, question but, but, now, but the second question it's been was a little pretty, while. Yeah, yeah. Has the White House seen it since then? And this is again, I would you know, look, Rick, if you had been on that on that committee, I think you would have asked the, the yeah. again the obvious follow up. 
But wait a minute. You, you told us before about the White House saying, just, I'm not asking you, just, just answer me. Has the White House seen the report since or been briefed on the report since? Anyway, uh, the president was asked that today at the South Lawn, and he said no. So, so we'll see. Um, we'll see what's going to happen there. The president also said on this issue of obstruction uh, that, that you had this terrible legal, you know, investigation into him. He says, you know, he's called it a witch hunt, everything else. And obstruction, there's no obstruction, but there is fighting back. Fighting so I think back. That's going to be the thing. And, he, he, and he hits look, back. I, and Barr, Barr talked about his that his decisions released that four page letter as a binary. You know, is there something or isn't there something? Do you bring charges or don't don't you bring charges? You know, that was probably a question that was settled long before, given that the Justice Department own policy about about whether you can prosecute a, a sitting president suggests that you can. But uh, there's going to be a lot in this report, and people, I think, I think it's going to come back as a hot political issue for a whole load of reasons. Not the not the least of which, according to Barr's own letter, there is information that Mueller had that was not in the public reporting on this question of obstruction. So that means new stuff, other things that we didn't know about the president, what he was trying to do, his own actions in the in the course of the investigation. And yes, the change of the, the decision about prosecution won't change. The attorney general is has made his decision. He's made his mind known. But but what that's based on, we still don't know. And that means that Mueller and the weight comes back. And I will tell you, you remember that I had said back in January, anticlimactic yes. when it comes to the big picture. This is not going to be the report that brings down the president. It's not going to be the report that says, aha, there was collusion. But I will say now, as we prepare uh, to, to read the redacted, the full redacted version, um, that expectations have been dramatically reset. It's going to look bad uh, on obstruction. I mean, it's not going to be, you know, the knockout punch that that, that, that people expected out of Mueller, but it will look bad. Um, and... and uh, and, you know, the White House will – you're starting to hear what the president's already preparing for this. And we, you know, we hit back. He's going to go on – they will go on offense again against those that began this investigation and conducted this investigation and say the president was in no way actually obstructing. He was simply defending himself. So uh, – but, but this, this will – you know, whether or not it will change anybody's views, I mean, what do you think? I think that – expectations are high again, and I think views are probably fixed. But this was always going to be something where the nuance matters. And uh, the ultimately, it's a, it's a series of political judgments, and it becomes political calculations. I, there will be new information. The new information will be processed as such. And I think uh, the, the, the quick pronouncements of Mueller had nothing, and it's all over, that the president, among others, saw his total exoneration. Total exoneration. Not so fast. That not will so not fast. be the final takeaway. All right, Rick, we've got to take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk to the congressman with the longest stretch of border in his district, longest stretch of border with Mexico. Back in a minute. All right, welcome back to Powerhouse Politics. We are joined now by Congressman Will Hurd, Republican from the state of Texas. Thank you for joining us. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on with you all. Now, uh, a lot of things uh, make you a, a unique figure in the House of Representatives. One of which uh, is your is your district. Um, you uh, you have, I believe, I'm correct in saying the longest uh, stretch of border of any member of Congress. Is that right? That's correct. 820 miles of of the border, 29 counties, two time zones. Um, it takes 10 and a half hours to drive 80 miles an hour across my district, uh, which is the speed limit in most of the district. Um, it's larger than 26 states, and it's roughly the size of the state of Georgia. And uh, this is 
timely discussion then because you know a thing or two about the border, uh, having um, uh, you know represented uh, <laughs> this this uh, incredibly vast district that shares such a, a long border with uh, with Mexico. So we figured we would uh, reach out to you to get your sense on what is going on with the president, sure. Department of Homeland Security. We see this house cleaning, although he said it wasn't a house cleaning yesterday. But uh, we, we, we've seen the, the secretary gone, her acting deputy gone, uh, the, uh, the ICE uh, nominee uh, pulled. Uh, we're told there are more departures coming. Um, and, you know, the president's floated uh, closing the border at one time, now tightening asylum laws. What, what is... What is going on in terms of the Trump administration's <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, policy and, and, on the let border? Me get, so, so some, some context. Not only have I represented the largest um, amount of border than any other member of Congress, I also spent almost a decade as an undercover officer in the CIA. And I was the dude in the back alleys at 4 o'clock in the morning collecting intelligence. I was the guy recruiting spies and still in secrets, chasing you know bad guys all across the world. And so... I've had some experience in in protecting countries, chasing uh, people that are trying to do bad things. And, and ultimately, what we are seeing happening right now at the border is indeed a crisis. Last month, 100,000 people, 103,000 people came into our country illegally, right? When right. you have, you know, 1,000 people under a bridge waiting and then they're sitting in 95-degree weather, um, you're going to see tempers flare. So my fear is this increase is going to cause uh, a significant loss of life, uh, whether it's somebody in Border Patrol custody or Border Patrol getting overrun. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a problem. It, it is a, a crisis. So what do we do about it? And, um, well, and, and specifically sure. the question is not, I mean, and we can get to that, but what is the Trump administration doing about it? Because I, you know, I, it seems there are fits and starts here. You've got all of these firings. Um, so, so you've got you know, uh, uh, more than half of the senior positions at, at Homeland Security uh, occupied by acting uh, leaders sure. or or not occupied at all. And, um, and you have you have this fits and starts talk about maybe they're going to do child separations again. The president pulls that back. Um, you've got talk of closing the border. The president pulls that back. Now they're going on asylum. So, you know, my my, my question, even before we get to what your proposed solution is, is what is your read on what they are doing? Well, look. Also, there's a lot of there's a lot of of, of, of hyperbole and, and innuendo of what may or may not happen and until something gets you know gets transmitted to Congress until uh, there is a declaration by the individuals that are responsible um, for for um, for for you know de- dealing with the issue. Um, it, it's the speculation is just that it's just it's just speculation. Yeah, and, and Congressman, I want to I want to get to. A piece of this, and I want to fit it into the push the president has for the border wall. You've been critical of the need for this border wall, but let me just start by asking, as the president says all the time, that the border wall is being under construction. Now, those 820 miles of border in your district, how many of them have new border walls as a result of President Trump? Um, so so the border is 2,000 miles. There's 654 existing um, miles of, of physical barrier. There's about 88 miles. Um and and I think the majority of those 88 miles is in the Rio Grande Valley, which is not in my district. And then um, some of that is near um, San Diego. Um, and and look, you know, even the president has now said 
that building a wall from sea to shining sea is not the way to go. But let me, right? let me, because you voted against the national national emergency, you voted to overturn the national emergency, and you've talked about this as an inefficient use of resources. The push, I would even call it a fixation by President Trump on a border wall, on that physical barrier. Does it help or hurt the migrant crisis that you have identified as really causing this influx that you believe is a crisis at the border? So if, if what's projected by the administration of 150,000 people coming in the country illegally in, in April, they are surrendering, right? These are people, they're, they're not like they're sneaking in. They're com- they are coming in between our ports of injury, but they are surrendering to Border Patrol. When a physical barrier is built on the U.S. side of the border, then when a someone's coming into our country illegally and they're on our sovereign land, then our laws dictate that those people have to be have to be taken into our custody. So so when a physical barrier is on our side, it actually doesn't prevent pe- that people are already here, right? And so so that doesn't stop uh, the flow of folks. Now what is happening is when border patrol resources get tied up. That means if a Border Patrol agent is at a hospital or is, is processing, you know, 100 people that have come in here illegally, who's in between our ports of entry that is defending and, and seeing what's happening, right? And because we don't have visibility in, in all 2,000 miles, and the only way you can do that is with technology and making sure it's called operational control, knowing everything that's coming back and forth across our border. And the technology is going to allow us to determine a threat, track that threat, and then, you know, make sure we can deploy the most important resource we have, that men and women in Border Patrol. It's just in your view, is the, is the focus on it and the resources directed toward a wall, is it counterproductive to, to, to stemming the crisis? Well, in, in some of the areas where there is a physical barrier, um, it does make sense. And we have to be able, we, we have to, be able to, to have operational control of our 2,000 miles of border and deal with this crisis at the same time. Right. And and so so what we should be talking about is a strategy to secure our border, not a focus on one particular tool. So, Congressman, before we let you go, I want to ask about a man that's been described as uh, having a bromance of sorts with you, Beto O'Rourke, now a Democratic candidate for president. Now, you once drove and live streamed 1,600 miles with Beto uh, to that's Washington. A lot of, that's a lot of <laughs> time in the car. That's twice anybody. the size of your district, my God. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. In, in a Chevy Impala. But what, what, was your, what was your takeaway from that drive? Any pet peeves that you can identify about what it's like <laughs> to be in the car with Beto O'Rourke for 1,600 miles? Well, it was a 35-hour trip, 31 hours in the car, uh, 29 hours live streamed. Um, and, you know, one, I, I learned he really likes donuts. Um, and, and two, uh, one of the things that I took away from this experience, we had, you know, 20-something million people um, tune in to, to what we were doing. And what, what my takeaway from the whole experience was way more unites us as a country than divides us, and that people actually uh, want um, politicians and their leaders to be able to disagree without being disagreeable. And um, we saw that, and, and, and that was an experience to me that I've seen, you know, crisscrossing my own district, but seeing that... Um, you know, now almost three years ago, I think uh, two years ago, so, um, was a was a was a 
you know, valuable experience. So, I, I mean, you're obviously not going to be supporting him for president. You're a Republican. He's a Democrat, obviously, obviously. But your sense, knowing him, spending that kind of time with him, and, and of course, knowing him well before and after that, that, that road trip, does he... Is it your sense that he has what it takes to run for president, uh, to be president? Um, the one thing I do know, look, he's he's one of the few people that have stood up and said he's a capitalist and supports, you know, uh, supports um, our economic system. And and I do know he's going to work harder um, than than anybody else. Um, so. You know, this is what I think, and thirty people now have announced almost thirty people. Um, so, so it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how this all to see how this all e- e- evolves. But um, there's one thing I know he's going to do: he's going to work hard, and he's going to talk to a lot of people, and and he's going to listen. All right, Congressman Will Hurd, Republican from Texas. Thank you for joining us on Powerhouse Politics, and we'll talk to you again soon. Great, thanks a bunch. Thanks. Bye bye. So, uh, so Rick, that sounded like a almost kind of a yes to my question uh, on 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 Beto on, on 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 whether he can on whether he has what it takes to be president. Yeah, I, he didn't he yeah. didn't quite say yes, but but he but he spoke positively of him and said uh, something that I, I, that sounds pretty key. He's going to work harder than anybody else. Yeah, I think that's that's an important insight. And I think Will Hurd, you know, he represents an, a very diverse district. He's the only African American Republican in in the House right now, and uh, it was a is one of those targeted districts that uh, Democrats fell just short on. So he is always people are always coming for him. Beto O'Rourke um, didn't help his narrow reelection chances when he was running statewide last year. I think people that know Beto, look, people are down on Beto's chances recently, but they know how hard he'll work and they know what he'll be out there and they know how he'll connect. And I'll tell you those those hours of live streams with those millions of viewers that that's that's part of the connection that he's been able to establish. And he hasn't done another one of the dentists, so um, so there you go. <laughs> we can we can <laughs> applaud that. And I think in terms of the in terms of the substance, I, you know, Congressman Hurd's criticism of the wall has been well established. He doesn't think it's an efficient thing. He has a much more nuanced view of things. I think hearing him talk and worry about the focus on that and also the staff shakeups um, not helping a bad situation, as he put it. You know, we, like he said, a strategy versus any particular tool. This is a president that likes that kind of falls in love with with, with particular tools. And, and make no mistake, there is a major problem at the border. Uh, call it what you will. Call it a crisis. Call it something else. Hundred and fifty thousand crossing in a single month. If that is if that projection holds up for the month of April is is astounding. It's numbers we haven't seen for uh, like we haven't seen for a long time, and um, and and a legitimate major major problem. I'm not sure anybody I've quite heard has articulated a perfect solution, <laughs> but uh, but we will keep looking for one, Rick. You know it. Let's do it. All right. That is all the time we have uh, for Powerhouse Politics. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Avery Miller, Angie Yak, to our entire Powerhouse Politics team, including Chief Executive Producer Trevor Hastings. See you again next week.